You just lost your loved one. Now what? Welcome to the Grief and Life podcast, where we explore this new reality through grief-colored lenses. Openly, authentically, I'm your host, Nina Rodriguez. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my podcast launch. I'm so grateful you're here. This is a space created for you by someone who gets it. Your grief, your foundation-shattering reality, and the question of what the heck do we do with all of these shattered pieces of life and loss around us. It's also for the listener who cares enough to want to understand their loved one, who is grieving, perhaps how to even help, or who just wants to be more grief literate. I'll start by acknowledging that each journey is unique, so there is no one answer. That's why these conversations are fundamental to surviving grief and even thriving in this new paradigm. There's immeasurable power in sharing our stories, in being a witness to each other's reality, in making each other feel a little less alone. One of my favorite quotes by Ram Dass is, we're all just walking each other home. And while I am on my own truth-seeking journey, What I do know is that there is still air in our lungs, and if you're listening to this, then it means you woke up today. So those are two puzzle pieces that we can work with. We're still breathing, and we woke up today, and that is enough for us to be able to take the next step into the world of life through grief-colored lenses. I want to share this quote with you that recently found me. And I felt like it touched at the core of why I started the Grief and Light podcast. It says, You will lose someone you can't live without, and your heart will be badly broken. And the bad news is that you never completely get over the loss of your beloved. But this is also the good news. They live forever in your broken heart that does not seal back up. And you come through. It's like having a broken leg that never heals perfectly that still hurts when the weather gets cold, but you can learn to dance with the limp. That quote is by Anne Lamott, a best-selling novelist and essayist who writes about loss, losses of loved ones, and loss of personal control. I have to be honest and disclose that I had no intention of making the topic of grief an even more active part of my life. But as time went by, I realized there are very few resources and conversations about one of the most common life experiences to all humans, the death of a loved one, loss, grief, and trauma. Then it dawned on me, what if I'm meant to be that which I wish I had during my early grief? What if this did not exist the way that I needed it because I meant to create this space? Grief and Light was born after the loss of my younger brother, Joseph, my only sibling, on September 11. Not September 11 that you all know, but the September 11 that shattered my family's life in 2019, exactly one day after we celebrated his 32nd birthday. Before I continue, I want to warn you that the following recount could provoke a strong emotional reaction, especially if you're still in the raw and early gentle stages of grief. So I suggest only listening if you're in the emotional space to do so. 
It was my grandfather calling. He sounded distraught. What's going on at home that no one's picking up the phone? I told him everything's fine. I had just spoken with my brother a little bit ago, and he was at the house. I reminded him that it was Wednesday evening, which means that mom was in her weekly art studio sessions and my dad was in his weekly Wing Chun class. So don't worry, all is well. He said, okay, but let me know when you hear from them. A few minutes later, my dad calls. Are you sitting down? This was our agreed upon code phrase if something was wrong. He has a tendency to be very intense when he calls, so I asked him for my own sake to have some kind of a code phrase if something was actually wrong versus an everyday call. Except for at that moment, it didn't register. He said, Naji, Joseph died. Come home. That moment. That was the moment when something happened inside of my body. I said, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you say that? Naji, he died. Come home. Where's mom? I don't know what I said or if I screamed. I don't even remember if I fell to my knees or not. And I mean it. There is a part of my brain that has archived this memory somewhere in the vaults of my mind, and I'm still working on retrieving it. I do remember my husband's face when I guess I uttered the words and I told him what happened. I remembered both of us stumbling to put on our shoes and get in the elevator, then the car, to drive an hour north to my grandparents' house at night. My husband was speeding, and I suddenly felt what I now know is the grief numbness, or as I like to call it, grief's grace in action. I texted my best friends what just happened, but really it was to see if this is a bad dream or if it was reality, but they texted back. This was real. Something in me disconnected that day. Something in me separated from myself. I became two people, one who needed to function to logistically handle whatever I was going to encounter, and the other one who would later process, and still is processing, what happened. Perhaps there was also a third version, the one who died with my brother that day. I vividly remember there was a full, way too bright moon illuminating the road for the hour drive north. It was her fucking fault, my brain said. She did this. The moon has an effect on people's psyche. I know it was her fault. I was so furious at her. You see, my brain was scrambling to make sense of what just happened. And this is the best it could do at that moment. I remember repeating, what is happening? What is happening? What is happening? All the way to my grandparents' house. As we entered the neighborhood, I braced my grandparents lived there for over 35 years. This place has always been home. It's always been a safe, warm, and full of joy place. This has been the most familiar place in my life. Except now it wasn't. Not today and not anymore. There was a van outside and an ambulance, but no activity. No one rushing to save his life. No one rushing to the hospital. Just quiet loudness. My disconnected self braced once again as I entered the house. It was dark. I see about four investigators taking photos, searching the property, 
talking in low, calm voices, and oh my God, no one is rushing to save him. He's actually, I can't even say it. I saw my mom sitting on the couch with a blank stare on her face, whispering, no, 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 no. Time became meaningless, warped, and confusing. Nothing made sense at that moment. The investigators later said they were ready to remove the body into the ambulance. The body? They said it might be less traumatic if we didn't watch. My dad said he wanted to see him. I begged my dad not to. My brother was a very private person, so I know he would not have wanted dad to see him that way. But also, I was terrified of something happening to my parents. Would this kill them, too? Was I going to lose my family today? All of them? I couldn't let that happen, so I begged him not to. The rest was a blur as we stayed in the room waiting for these strangers to take the vessel that only a couple of hours earlier held my brother's life energy. That same energy that I FaceTimed with at sunset. Where did he go? Where did you go, brother? What happened? Where is he? He was just here. Where did he go? The house remained dark. Only the horribly bright light of the full moon illuminated our reality. And I hated her so much then. Today, years later, I know that she, that fully bright, sacred beacon of light, helped guide my brother home. We're not the same after loss. How could we be? Loss fundamentally changes us. Our realities, our beliefs, our truths, our wants, our priorities. In the book Shattered Assumptions, author Ronnie Janoff Bullman describes how grief can shatter our assumptions about the world and ourselves. She talks about how when we experience a traumatic event such as the loss of a loved one, these shattered assumptions leave us feeling vulnerable and lost. All too many of us can vouch for how true this is. What we do with these shattered pieces after loss, if anything at all, is as unique to each of us as our relationship with the loved one we lost. In my case, grief catapulted me into a truth-seeking journey and ultimately seeking the answers to two questions. Where the heck did he go? And what is the point of living? That was exactly three years and eight months from today. The moment something in me disconnected, something else took over. It was the sacred survival part of me that would embark on this journey to protect the me who has suffered this tremendous loss. My brother and I shared a bond beyond siblings. I was his keeper. I was his protector. We truly enjoyed each other's company. We spoke our own language through hilarious inside jokes, and the world felt perfect when he was around. My favorite role in life was being Joseph's sister. And to some extent, it still is, even if it doesn't look the same. 
That sacred survival part of me that took over on September 11, 2019 is here still. She did things back then that made no sense at the time that are all coming together now in magical ways. One of those things was to create the Grief and Light Instagram account where I shared my grief truths in a platform outside of my mind and body. In the early years of grief, or early days of grief, really, the pain was so unbearable that I actually wondered, can you die from grief? I actually Googled this, and that's where I learned about Takotsubo cardiomyopathy, also known as broken heart syndrome. It's named after a Japanese octopus trap, and it occurs almost exclusively in women. I'll read this excerpt from an article published in Harvard's health website. Takotsubo cardiomyopathy is a weakening of the left ventricle, the heart's main pumping chamber, usually as the result of severe emotional or physical stress, such as a sudden illness, the loss of a loved one, a serious accident, or a natural disaster such as an earthquake. That's why the condition is also called stress-induced cardiomyopathy or broken heart syndrome. The main symptoms are chest pain and shortness of breath. The most common abnormality in Takotsubo cardiomyopathy, the one that gives the disorder its name, is a ballooning of the lower part of the left ventricle. During contraction, this bulging ventricle resembles a takotsubo, which is a pot used by Japanese fishermen to trap octopuses. I'll link the article in the show notes if you'd like to read more. It's actually fascinating. <laughs> there you can see two images, one of a heart-experiencing broken heart syndrome and the second image of the takotsubo vessel. A quick necessary disclaimer, I am not a medical professional, so nothing of what I say in today's podcast or in any future podcast for that matter should be considered medical advice or legal advice. What I am doing is holding space where we can share our stories and find solidarity in this journey. If you or someone you love needs help, please contact the appropriate professionals in your area. Going back to the topic of my sacred survival side, protecting me from the pain of the loss of my only sibling. Once I learned about broken heart syndrome, I made a promise to myself that grief would not live inside of me. I would allow myself to experience it, but I gave it no permission to set up a home in my bones or in my heart. This grief and light platform was created a few months after the physical loss of my dear brother, as an outlet for exploring these new feelings and this new reality in a way that I could see it outside of my mind and body. Each post helped me accept the loss, understand the millions of colors of grief, and feel less alone. Today, it has an expanded purpose. Since September 2019, I have connected with many of you who know all too well how lonely this reality can be. This is despite the fact that death happens every single day, and it is the one guarantee we have in life. It is what makes this finite existence so valuable. 
In my case, I learned that there are very few resources for adult sibling loss. Surviving siblings are often referred to as the forgotten mourners because our grief experience is often downplayed, ignored, or negated. For whatever reason, society has decided that it's not the most important grief, and therefore it should be treated as less than. This is wrong, of course. The worst grief is always our own. However that looks to you, and only we know the depths of our true pain. As I realized how vast the void is for grievers, I felt called to become that space for us to share our reality. And perhaps someday it will be that lighthouse, that guiding light for someone embarking on their grief journey. Also, the world could use a little bit more kindness. And one of the millions of effects of grief is that it softens our hearts in impossibly beautiful ways, if we allow it to. If any part of this resonated with you as a griever, as a grief supporter, or just a human being, then I invite you to walk with me on this journey. Take what serves you, leave the rest. That's it for today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Grief and Light podcast. I'd also love to connect with you and hear your thoughts and your stories. Feel free to share them with me via my Instagram page at grief and light, or you can also visit griefandlight.com for more information and updates. Thank you so much for being here, for being you, and always remember you are not alone.